Everybody's got to be into the routine right now, right? We're a few hours into the school day. This is just like it's always been. Unless you are brand new to that thing they call school. Welcome to everybody who is attending Western University, who is attending Fanshawe College. Great to have you a part of the city. Don't worry about all the stuff you keep hearing about, uh uh-oh, don't have a large party. Well, don't have a large party, number one. Stay between the letters of the law, you'll be fine. You can still have a party, just don't have people jumping off the roof. I was never going to do that. Well, then you're fine. Don't worry about it. You'll hear a lot of stuff the next few days about Project Learn. It's a good thing. It's a good initiative. Listen to it. Read about it. You can go to 980cfpl.ca. You'll have a good time. We like to have a good time between 1 and 3 each and every day. Here's what I need from you today. We'll try and get these going throughout the show. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. The best back-to-school stories that you have, and I'll give you an example. I don't know. This can't be topped. I've never heard a story that could possibly top this. And, you know, it's a nice little back-to-school story. We're not at the comedy club right now. But it's a nice little back-to-school story. But if you have a back-to-school story, please email it to me because there are some great ones out there of things that have gone on. Matt and Ryan Rupert were two guys who played for the London Knights. They were twins. And their mom's name is Karen. They're from Grand Bend, where Arkells just played. A little later on this hour, we'll actually talk with someone who played on stage with Arkells yesterday. You hear him just about every day on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. And there he was. And it had nothing to do with media ties. It It was not about that. We'll tell the story of how our reporter, Andrew Graham, got on stage with Arkells. But many, many years ago, this is over 20 years ago now, Matt and Ryan Rupert were getting set for their first day of school. And in order to appreciate Matt and Ryan Rupert, you have to know these are the twins that when they were four years old were just hanging out on the back deck of their aunt's house. And the phone rang. And so their aunt said, boys, they're, they're four years old. It's going to be fine. Boys, just stay here on the back deck. Play with whatever you're playing with. And I'm just going to go in and answer the phone. And I'll be right back. You can say that to four-year-olds, huh? You don't do it to four-month-olds. Four years old, yeah, you, you can do that. So their aunt went inside and said, I can't talk long. Matt and Ryan are out on the back deck, and I've, I've got to get back out there. So that was basically the conversation, about two minutes. She came outside. They had already nailed 20 nails into the back deck. These guys just had that ability. So here is their back-to-school story. This is the kind of stuff that we're looking for today. If you have a great story to share, you can always call us, too. 519-643-2222. So Matt and Ryan Rupert are getting ready. First day of school. It's a rainy day. they got their little yellow raincoats on. They're four years old. Their mom, Karen, grabs Matt in her right hand and Ryan with her left hand and hand in hand, they walk to the bus stop and they're waiting there and everything's going fine. They got their little boots on, they got their backpacks ready to go and the yellow bus pulls up and it stops in front of the bus stop and the door opens and Karen is getting ready to say goodbye to her boys. It's a very emotional time when all of a sudden, bing, Matt takes off one way, bing, Ryan takes off the other way. They both run in different directions. And Karen looks up at the bus driver and says, maybe we'll try this again tomorrow. And the bus driver drives away. That's a great back-to-school story. So if you have anything that resembles that, anything that you had to do with a child, get that through to us. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can tweet me at Stubbs980. Or you can give us a call at 519-643-2222. Back-to-school stories. Enjoy it, because... If you're going through the whole back-to-school thing, it it does go so fast. Next thing you know, they're just they're off by themselves. They get themselves out of bed. You don't even have to make them breakfast in the morning. They, they're gone. They're old. So enjoy the kids in the yellow raincoats who refuse to get on the bus. Along with Andrew Graham today, I do want to go back to something that was said on the Craig Needle Show. We'll do that in about a half hour from now. Because one of the things, and I'm not trying to bring about a dark cloud on this wonderful day of education, but let's face it, we have a potential for not necessarily a work stoppage, but certainly work interruption. We really do. And 
I want to go back to something that Mark Fisher, the new director of education with the Thames Valley District School Board, said on the Craig Needle show. So we will have that in just a moment. We are also going to talk about something that is happening in Manitoba, but I really believe that it has a place here in London, Ontario as well, and that is a tie-in with methamphetamine and crime. And we have, just like every other city has, we have issues with hardcore drugs in this city. And there are areas where you can find people, and it's not difficult to spot them, they are users of methamphetamines. Their faces tell the story. It's it's a sad thing. It's a very sad thing. But in Manitoba right now, they've got a little something that is happening that is making this an even bigger story. And who knows? We may have the same kind of thing eventually as well. So we'll deal with that. We're also going to talk some sports. London Knights played on the weekend. The Western Mustangs played last night under the lights. And FC London's women's side won themselves a championship. And a little later on in the show, we'll talk with their president, Ian Campbell, about what that match was like. But we'll run down the weekend that was for the London Knights and the Western Mustangs. Take a quick break. Because it is back to school day, we have screen time as a big factor in our world. Screen time is a big deal. And it's easy to say, oh, kids are on screens too much. Everybody's on screens too much. Or are we? I don't know. I'm of the opinion that once a child turns 11, they should have a cell phone. And I don't believe that's early. I believe that they should have a cell phone. Once they start going out on their own, they need a cell phone. And they need it to stay interwoven with the social fabric in which they live. So screen time, I may have different feelings on it. In just a moment, we'll talk with Lisa Tang, who's done a lot of research on the issue, who has three young children. And we'll talk with her about screen time and how it should be handled now in 2019. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Let's talk screen time. The kids are back at school, so you would think, ah, there'd be less screen time. Sure, they've got some homework, but screens are something that we've made out to be this evil thing in my mind. Now, if we're talking brain development, if there, if there's an effect on brain development, uh, that's, that's a thing. That's a thing that you want to avoid. You want to avoid any kind of, hey, this changes your brain, or you look at what video games do, and they offer up that big old reward and all that sort of thing. So I don't want to look at it from that perspective. But screens are a part of our world now. And phone communication is a part of our world now. Texting is a part of our world now. And I really believe you can wind up doing your child a disservice if you do not get them involved in that social fabric early enough. So we can talk about that in just a little bit, but let me blaze some numbers past you for just a moment. We have a a survey that has come out from Angus Reid, and it looks at screen time and how parents are feeling about this. So most parents will say that, yeah, they know that devices can be a great educational tool for young children. 46% remain concerned that their child is spending too much time in front of a screen. A lot of people don't know how to get their kids away from screens. Uh, One in five parents in Canada claim that their child spends more than four hours per day using devices. Um... Two and three say parents of a, a child with a physical disability believe screen time is a good or excellent way for kids to learn. There are all kinds of numbers from this particular survey, but a lot of them deal with, hey, here's how much my kids are on screens. Here's a concern that I have that they're on them too much. So our next guest in just a moment is going to talk about that. First, off to the phones we go with Mike. Mike, do you have a back-to-school story for us? Hey, Stubb. Hey. Hey. Uh- well, I'm both a young millennial and also a father of two. Okay. I, I think you're a little bit off on uh, giving kids a cell phone at, at 11. I'd say when they can drive and they have a reason that they need to be contacting you, that's about when I'd uh, let them get a cell phone. So you say 16. 
I say 15. I'd rather not have mine now, but I uh, drive truck and kind of need it. If I could downgrade to a to a flip phone or something instead of my smartphone, I'd rather do that too. Do you not worry that kids are missing out? That's what I would. I know it's FOMO <laughs> and it's fear of missing out. Do not worry about that. I, see, I grew up on a farm, and I worry that my kids are missing out because of the lack of child labor that they uh, that they're missing out on. Because I actually enjoyed the learning how to outside learning about the trees learning about uh, how to use different power tools and all that kind of stuff i don't i do not at all feel like they're missing out by uh not having a cell phone the value of chores i love it mike there is a there is a huge value in chores thanks for the call thank you all right we can have this conversation in just a little bit mike says 16 i'm saying 11 i've gone through it and i don't have kids that i would say are you know are addicted to screens. Do they use them? Are they on them? Yeah. So let's talk some screen time with someone who has done a lot of research about it. Lisa Tang is a PhD student at the University of Guelph, is currently doing research, but her master's thesis revolved around this topic. Lisa, how are things going on this first day back to school? Lisa Tang, PhD student at the University of Guelph. News is coming up next. More London Live after that on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Good afternoon. It's 1.30. I'm Jacqueline LaBelle in downtown London. Mostly cloudy, 22 degrees, 28 with the humidity. If you have plans to be outside this afternoon, you may want to have a backup. Environment Canada has issued a severe thunderstorm watch for the region. The agency says storms are expected to develop late this afternoon and into the evening. Winds will be quite strong with the potential for gusts up to 90 kilometers an hour. Hail is also a possibility. If severe weather approaches, officials say you should head inside immediately. Uh, There's been a development in the investigation into an assault case that's nearly four months old. London police say they've gained access to a picture of a suspect wanted in connection with the case that started back in May. It was around 2.30 the morning of May 5th when police responded to a disturbance at an establishment on Warncliffe Road south near Southdale. A woman suffered serious injuries. Police now have a photo of the suspect and a description. Both are posted on our website, 980cfpl.ca. Anyone with information is asked to contact police or Crime Stoppers. It's the first day back for most of London's scholarly population. 980 CFPL's Andrew Graham attended Woodland Heights Public School to see how the day is shaping up. For Kevin Lalonde, the day got off to an early start. Nearly one hour before first bell, he and his daughter McKenna were already in class, meeting teachers and catching up on the curriculum. Lalonde explains how his daughter feels on her first day back from summer vacation. She's excited, looking more for the friends aspects, uh, not the work. Uh, uh, but she got to the class here and she's uh, excited to do math and she'd learned a new thing already. So uh, it's going to be a great year, we think. It was also a first day for the Thames Valley District School Board's highest ranking member. Director of Education Mark Fisher spent his first school day in office and told 980 CFBL what his biggest goals are for this year. Well, I think there's two things there. First of all, I want to establish really positive working relationships with students, staff, and the broader community. But our core business is student achievement. So we have to make sure that what we do meets the needs of our students so they're prepared for society. Meantime, police are continuing to ask drivers to take extra care near school zones as kids return to class over the coming week. Andrew Graham, 980 CFPL. You're listening to 980 CFPL. First day of school... We're going to talk about the likelihood, uh, maybe that's not the right word, just the conversation that will go on about what teachers should be doing in the wake of what the provincial government has done with education. Ending last year, there was a lot of ferocity, and that's the right word for it. There was a lot of ferocity around how teachers felt about changes. Cutbacks. We know that some schools are in disrepair. That's been outlined. We know that there are issues. We know that we're going to see teachers cut. We we know all of those things. And 
So there was a ferocity coming from teachers that this was not going to be taken lightly. I still believe that either is continuing or will resurrect itself at some point over the next few weeks. So we'll touch on that in just a moment. But do you know what one of the biggest debates has been in recent years on the first day back to school? And if you're someone who who does not like the, ah, we got to be careful with the kids. We, we can't offend anyone. Everything's politically correct. If you don't like that, you're really not going to like this. One of the biggest debates has been, do you get the kids to do that age-old first-day assignment to get those little brains churning and those little fingers writing? Do you ask them, what did you do on your summer vacation? That was just a standard thing, wasn't it? You just had to do it. You knew it was coming. I don't know. We did this. We did that. It was just done. How long does this have to be? Seven lines. This is useless. It was never a great exercise, but it was designed just to, hey, remember how to write? Hey, remember how to think? We talked about a month ago with the Peel Board, and I don't know why we don't have more of this, but the Peel Board went back to school a month ago, start of August. They have, they don't call it year-round schooling. Their calendar's different, though. It starts in August. So you get more breaks during the year, but you don't get this big, long chunk, which is stupid. The Sorry, the summer is dumb. It shouldn't happen. We should have longer breaks at Christmas. We should have a week off sometime in the fall, maybe a longer March break. That's the way they do it. Peel Region Board has been doing this for a long time at certain schools, but it really hasn't caught on, and I have no idea why. That little break can mean so much more than the, oh, summer over yet, this is dragging on. Why do we allow that to happen? But that's why this assignment was put in place, because you have to spend a lot of time reviewing things. It's been two months since kids have really done anything academic for the most part. So what did you do on your summer vacation? Yeah, that gets them thinking about it. But now all of a sudden people have spoken up about this assignment, saying, well, you know, some kids come from families that don't have a lot of money, so they really haven't done anything over the summer. And you kind of expose that if you're asking them what did they do on their summer vacation? Or what if a child has lost a loved one? You're exposing them to writing about that. Really? Is this, this is, this is a discussion that has gone on? It actually is. And there are a lot of people saying it, it should not be happening. Kind of like that, what is it, the, the, I'm, I'm trying to think of what they, what they are. Is it a deacon in the U.S. that has decided Harry Potter shouldn't be allowed in schools because this is in Georgia uh, or in Alabama? I'll look it up. Uh, I caught this story this morning. I'll, let me do that. Let me look it up so I get it completely accurately, and I'll tell you that one in a minute. But really, this debate goes on, that they shouldn't have the, what did you do on your summer vacation because it may offend people, it, it may bring up bad memories. Yeah, I, I, okay. Then do you want them writing on a, a political agenda? Hey, what do you what do you think of the upcoming federal election? Grade threes, go. You got to get those brains working. The only way not to is to switch to more of a year round calendar. That needs to happen. I'm convinced. Let's take a break. Up next, we'll go back to the Craig Needle Show because I want to take you back to something that Mark Fisher, the new director of the Thames Valley District School Board, said on the Craig Needle Show. And I will look up what was said about not having Harry Potter in, in schools and libraries. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Okay, I found the story. I wasn't sure where it was in the U.S., so I wanted to double-check. It was in Tennessee, in Nashville. But you had a deacon, the Reverend Dan Rehill, who is a pastor at the Roman Catholic Parish School, say that students at the school that he is involved with can no longer use the Harry Potter book series. And this is the quote that comes out of the email that is maybe most troubling— these books, talking about the Harry Potter series, present magic as both good and evil, which is not true, but in fact a clever deception. The curses and spells used in the books are actual curses and spells, which when read by a human being risk conjuring evil spirits into the presence of the person reading the text. So, he's consulted several exorcists, and they recommended removing the books. Is this a real story? Unfortunately, yes. 
unfortunately, it is a real story. Are you kidding me? This person has control over the lives of children in some way? Can that be stopped? Because that's, that's insane. The Harry Potter book series is necessary because kids actually read it. They will read a seven-book series. Do you know how hard it is to get kids reading? We just talked about screens. We have screens in our world. It is hard to get kids to put their noses into books and disappear into an imaginary world. Um, Dan, it's imaginary. It really. J.K. Rowling did not write actual spells. Who are you? Are you kidding me? You have to get kids reading. That's how you get kids reading. And all of a sudden, you're saying, "Oh, well, they're real spells." And they give me a break. That's the same kind of person that says, well, why don't you read this? The kids should be reading this. And they'll give some example of a a book that kids don't want to read. So they don't read that book, and it means they read nothing. Give me a break. All right. From there, let's move to the new director of education at the Thames Valley District School Board, Mark Fisher. He appeared on the Craig Needle Show this morning, and Craig got him to address some concerns over... Teachers and some of the changes that have taken place by way of the government in terms of cutbacks and how money is being handled. We've heard from the premier that no money is is actually being put into the system. It's just being allocated differently. So here is a part of the conversation about the talk of a potential work stoppage or any other kind of action. That is Mark Fisher, who is... In his role with school going, really for the first time now, Mark Fisher is the Director of Education with the Thames Valley District School Board. So, he's cautiously optimistic, which means that nothing has been decided, and he can't be anything else right now. But, cautiously optimistic, I'm interested to see how teachers start to feel as the year goes along. Because, strike, lockout, that's possible. What may be even more possible is work to rule. Um, that's something that, that's maybe the, the route that the union decides to go where it's no extracurriculars. And, you know, if, if you talk to some teachers and the way that they've seen things going over the years, you wonder whether one day we're just going to be left with club sports where high school sports, they're going to be off the, off the books, off the pages. They're just, they're not going to be there. Or you're going to have to hire outside coaches or bring aboard outside coaches to do it on a very regular basis. So interesting to see how things turn out, but that is from the director of education. Quick email from Shane. He says, Hey Mike, I have to disagree with you that the kids writing what they did for summer uh, or about the kids writing what they did for summer vacation when returning to school. If the goal is to get kids writing, have them write their goals for the upcoming school year. Shane, I like that idea. You know, I'm, I'm not saying don't write anything. I'm just saying that this is what's being presented, that you've got a lot of people saying, ah, not the, not the what did I do for my summer vacation. It can bring up too many negatives. And that, that was just a story. But, yeah, I like that. Goals for the upcoming year. What do you want to do with your life? That's a difficult one, but if it's at a younger age, it's good to have them thinking about that because eventually in grade 10, it's going to be thwack. Figure out what you want to do because if you want to do this, you have to go this way, and if you want to do this, you have to go this way. And they kind of that, – that can, that can come up on some kids. That, that can be a bit of a shock, and they've got to decide which direction they want to go in. Shane, I love the idea. Write out the goals. To get the mind churning, let's take a break. We will talk about a guy who got his fingers churning on the weekend. Our own Andrew Graham. He's next. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Arkell's performing this week at Gables. Yes, that was a concert that was inside Gables, and that was 980 CFPL reporter Andrew Graham on guitar. With Arkells. He joins us now to talk about how all this even came together. Because this was not media privilege. Sometimes sometimes neat things can happen, but this was not media privilege. Andrew, welcome to the show. Take us through your day at Gables. Andrew Graham, in studio, on stage with Arkells over the weekend at Gables in Grand Bend. Take a quick break. More to come on London Live. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. This hour, we are going to talk some soccer. 
FC London's women's side, playoff champions over the weekend. London Knights played two preseason games, one home, one away. Western Mustangs won last night. So we'll discuss all of those things. But we're going to begin with something that is a problem in just about every community. And that is drug abuse. And drug abuse that can sometimes affect other people. So we know that we've done a whole lot in this community with safe injection sites. We know that we have done a lot for vulnerable individuals. It has, it's, it's been proven to have had an incredible impact. Lives have been saved. But that doesn't mean that it takes away a drug problem. And that doesn't mean it takes away crime that comes with it. Just talking with somebody yesterday who said somebody actually came into his backyard and stole his tools over the weekend. And there's no evidence that that is drug-related in any way. But when you see crimes like that that pop up in different cities, you say, what is happening here? You know, someone to walk into your backyard? That's, that's not a normal robbery in my mind. That's, that's not something that, you know, these people consider themselves professional burglars. That's somebody who's desperate and looking for an opportunity, and they take it. And we do see that kind of thing happen. So how do you deal with it? Well, sometimes one of the best ways to get some ideas on what to do is to look at how other communities are handling issues like that. And right now, there are some pretty serious issues going on in Manitoba that were outlined at globalnews.ca. You can actually read a story that was written by Joe Scarpelli, who is a reporter with Global News, but we can do one better. We've invited Joe to join us on the show to talk about what's happening there, because whether it is happening here now, whether it happens one day, this at least gives a basis of what other communities, what other provinces are doing. Joe, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Joe, let's look at what you're finding to be some of the issues that have kind of been brought back to drug problems that are taking place in various parts of Manitoba. Yeah, so we've been uh, dealing with a meth crisis in Manitoba for uh, for quite a while now, and uh, we've seen crime on the rise in, uh, you know, in, 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 every, from property crime to violent crime, uh, everything is on the rise, and um, I was just uh, speaking to uh, you know a, a, a whole bunch of uh, business owners and residents about property crime. Property crime has that, that's what's been uh, on the rise the most here in Manitoba, and people are you know they're getting their cars uh, rummaged through on a regular basis. Business owners are are uh, putting up fences and and cameras, and nothing seems to be working. Um, people are looking for anything that could be sold for quick cash or, you know, any money, any loose change that's uh, lying around. And the police have been uh, linking this problem to, uh, to the meth crisis for, for quite a while now. And, you know, we've also been hearing for a long time that police are burned out. Police can't keep up with the call volume. There have been weekends uh, over the summer where there have been hundreds of calls. I know one, one weekend in particular, there were 300 uh, 911 calls waiting in a queue at a time. And these are just people waiting for dispatch, and they're on hold, 300. And that's happened multiple times, where there's been hundreds of 911 calls just stuck in a queue. Uh, aside from property crime, there's been violent crime, uh, violent crime on officers, violent crime on uh, you know the general public. And uh, that's what we're going to be looking at uh, throughout the rest of the week here. We're talking with Joe Scarpelli from Global News. So this is something that you describe as having happened, you know, over time, that, that you've had a, a methamphetamine crisis for a long time. Do you know what kind of led to it boiling up to the point that it's at now? You know, it's from what we've been hearing, meth, it's, it's, it's such an unpredictable drug and it's when people are, are high on meth, they're, they're, they're so unpredictable. They, they, they do unimaginable things. Some of the, some of the, 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 you know, the stories that we've been covering here over the last year, year and a half, uh, when it comes to meth, have, uh, they're just, 
some of them are, are outrageous. Um, we don't know, ex- even up, you know, police are having a hard time telling us how, how like, so much of it is getting in. A lot of it were, um, police believe are coming in from, uh, from uh, Mexico and the, uh, through our borders here. But, uh, as far as we know, police have, uh, the last we've heard from police, there is no actual, um, meth labs or big ones, at least major ones, at least in, uh, in Winnipeg. That's the last we've heard from police. So a lot of this is just being, uh, being imported from, from elsewhere, but it, it is very, very, uh, cheap. That's, that's, that's the thing here. Meth is a very cheap drug. So a lot of experts that we've been speaking to say, uh, a lot of people are, you know, choosing meth because especially if you're panhandling on the street, you don't have to, you only have to panhandle for, you know, $5 and that can get you high on meth for, for almost the whole day. Whereas when you're, some of the more expensive drugs or alcohol takes, you know, you're, you're panhandling for that much longer and the high might not last as long. So that's the appeal meth is having and, uh, and, and why more and more people are moving over to meth. We also were able to find out that, you know, uh, because of the demand, the price of meth has dropped significantly. I believe it was the last five years, uh, meth, uh, the price of meth in Winnipeg or even Manitoba has dropped 50% because of the demand. Wow. We're talking with Joe Scarpelli from Global News. You can visit globalnews.ca. We'll retweet Joe's story at Stubbs980 as well. Joe, here becomes a question. Are people dealing differently with the downtown in Winnipeg because of these issues? Well, you know, right now, it's not even just the downtown area. It's spilling over to, you know, all parts of the city. It's not, there used to be different little pockets, you know, be careful in this area of the city. Oh, when you're downtown at night, uh, you you have to have your guard up. But now it's it's a, it's in it's all around the city, and I know a lot of the uh, the, um, the people that I was speaking to, uh, and that's for that story that you were just referring to, the, the crime story that we have online right now. They're from all parts of the city. They're not just in you know those stereotypical bad neighborhoods. This is happening absolutely everywhere. It looks like no neighborhood is is is, uh, is, is untouched anymore. And now the question becomes what to do about it. You have a provincial election coming up. Of course, the federal election is coming up. How big a topic is this for those two elections? Oh, it's a, it's a huge topic. And of the, the people I'm speaking to, a lot of you know, your average Manitoban, they don't know what the solution is. And it's not their job to, to come up with a solution. So they're hoping... You know, the politicians will come up with a with a solution. So, you know, we we've heard promises from uh, from all the parties. They're promising some uh, you know some uh, new sobering facilities, um, recovery centers. Um, well, I know the NDP is promising a, a safe consumption site. The Liberals have been promising uh, they've unveiled their uh, meth addictions plan, which includes some drug stabilization units. Uh, the progressive conservatives, um, they have their own plan to address the, the meth crisis, and they plan on spending some extra money to reduce crime in the in the province. So uh, I did speak to the Winnipeg Police Association uh, not too long ago, actually, and um, they have their their own ideas of what can uh, what can help, including some you know stiffer penalties. Uh, they feel that people don't have uh, a deterrent anymore. People aren't scared of the um, of the consequences. So uh, so there's all there's a lot to look at, and uh, a lot of the the, the, people, the residents in Manitoba don't know what it is, but uh, they're counting on somebody to figure out a solution soon. We'll see what happens. Joe, thanks for telling us about the story and about how things are going, because it's not just communities in Manitoba. It's not just Winnipeg. This is an issue absolutely everywhere. Thank you. You're welcome. That is Joe Scarpelli. So one to pay attention to. This is why we bring this up, because this is not just an issue somewhere else. This is an issue absolutely everywhere. Talk with a police officer, and Joe raised this point. Meth is one of the scariest things out there for police officers to have to deal with because of the two things that Joe brought up. One, it's cheap, so it's very accessible. And two, people who consume methamphetamines are completely unpredictable. You'll have somebody in a Tim Hortons yelling at the ceiling 
because that's that's just what they're doing. And who knows what they're going to do? So this is a big issue, and yet it's one that doesn't get addressed because it's it's got that underside of it, right? Ah, that's 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 just the drug culture. Every city's got it, but this is something that can spill over. I mean, we had an incident in London earlier today. Now, there is no tie to methamphetamines in that, but you don't have an individual brandishing a sharp-edged weapon, whatever that is, who is, you know, going at people. You don't you don't have that. That doesn't happen on a regular basis. Something has to be going on with that person to make that happen. So, we'll learn more about that case, but you know, if if you're wandering around downtown, look what we've had in downtown. Look what we've had at Richmond and Dundas. We've had a McDonald's say, I'm out. I'm closing. We've had other people say the same thing because of certain individuals who are around there. Are you staying away from the downtown? Because for a while, our downtown was getting great, and it still is. When you look at Dundas Place, it is fantastic. However, you do have to know that we have a homeless population that we have a population that is affected by drugs. Let's ask the question right now. Now, when you hear stories like today of someone brandishing a sharp-edged weapon at Richmond and King, do you hear that and say, you know, I'm going to mark that down right here, Richmond and King, and I'm not going there anymore? Is that something that is enough to keep you away? Is that something that makes you rethink you know, I, I hope one day to live back in downtown London, Ontario. I look forward to that day. But then all of a sudden, yeah, well, this happened here and this place is closing because, you know, there's, there's certain people who maybe make it a little tough for people to get inside or they'd, they'd rather not have to walk through. 519-643-2222. When you're looking at downtown, do you look around and say, yeah, we've... We've got a real drug problem here, and we've got something to address, or we've got a serious homeless problem that needs to be addressed. Or is London, Ontario still doing okay? Let's leave it at that. Do you look and say, there's a problem, or do you look and say, you know what? There's problems in all cities. We're still okay. 519-643-2222. Back with your calls in a moment. You can email mike at 980cfpl.ca. This is Global News Radio, 980cfpl. If you're just joining us, we just talked with Joe Scarpelli, Global News reporter, about issues that they're having in Manitoba, specifically in Winnipeg, with methamphetamines. And we have issues with drugs in absolutely every city. That's, that's just part of having a city anymore. And methamphetamines being what they are, being as cheap as they are, being as accessible as they are, the high lasting as long as it does, this is dangerous stuff for that reason. It's difficult for police to handle. Talk to any officer, they'll tell you. If we look at London, Ontario, and we look downtown, do you look and say, yeah, you know what, we've, we've got a drug problem, we've got a homeless problem, we've got to do something about this, because Winnipeg is saying the same thing. They, they've got to do something about this. Or do you look at London and say, you know what, we're, we're still not too bad here. We do have the safe injection site. Now, that's not for methamphetamines, but we have the safe injection site. We have some great programs in the city. How do you see it? 519-643-2222. That's 519-643-2222. Or you can email mike at 980cfpl.ca. Let's go to the phones with Susan. Susan, how do you see it? Um, I, I see it as disappointing that um, we have let downtown get so out of control that businesses can't survive down there. People are afraid to go down there. Um, you're harassed constantly just walking down the street. And the one thing that you just never see down there is a police officer. I mean, I, I'm afraid to go down there in case, you know, somebody who is high on these drugs decides that day they want to attack me for no good reason. And there's no police presence down there. I, I think if we had a police presence, that at least it would be a controllable problem. And you'd like to say, hey, don't worry, that, that would never happen. Someone would not attack you. You'd, I'd, I'd love to be able to say that. I can't say that. I mean, 
I've been standing on a corner and some guy's walked by and has just gone rah right in my ear for, for no apparent reason. Scared the heck out of me. He didn't do anything more than that. But no, you're right. There, there are individuals down there that, that make you not want to go there. So you would call for a larger police presence. Do you believe that that, that would have a, a major impact? Well, I think we saw it during the state Canada competition that when they had beat cops walking around down there, that uh, the downtown was actually a much more pleasant place to be. Well, that's that's something that I think, you know, I think London Police Services wishes it could do that on a more regular basis. They run into budget issues all the time. But yeah, no, that's that's probably the the first line of defense right there. Susan, thanks for the call. Have a great day. 519-643-2222. That's 519-643-2222. Do you believe, and Susan said, yeah, she believes there's an issue, and it does keep people from going down there, that that there is a drug issue, that there is a homeless issue, that there is an issue that prevents people from wanting to hang out downtown, from maybe wanting businesses to continue to open downtown. 519-643-2222. Anne, how do you feel? Hi. Um... Like your last caller said, there is a police presence down there. I work downtown, so I do see the police presence. Um, but I think the police have become accustomed to the people that are down there. So, you know, they tend to just say, okay, move on um, to the next spot. And then they'll just come back. And, you know, I know even where I work, we were told, the girls were told during the summer to be careful wearing flip-flops or any type of shoes, open-toed shoes, because of the needles that we could potentially step on um, and get injected with. So I think there is a serious problem down there. And as someone who works downtown, um, I'm sure to leave my office at an appropriate time so I don't have a run-in with anybody. Wow. So what would you say is is kind of the cutoff for you to leave work? Because what if you had to work late? What would you say is the cutoff, Anne? Um, I will leave work probably by 5 o'clock. Just... Because And I will say, when the McDonald's was there, it was a little worse. Now that McDonald's is gone, um, a lot of the individuals that used to stay in front of the McDonald's, has, they've moved um, a little further down. Um, but if I'm in my office past 5 o'clock, um, it's a rare thing. Hmm. So which direction do you find that people have gone in? They've gone west of the McDonald's, or have they gone east more towards Wellington and Clarence? Yeah, they've gone a little more east because now it's closer to the Tim Hortons. Um, there's a couple of buildings um, that, uh, or a couple of storefronts that no one's um, doing business out of, so they've sort of made makeshift tents in the doorways. Um, yeah, but, you know, and I, you, the sad part is you see all the renovating going down on downtown, and those nice little seating areas that they have, they're using them as places to sleep and um, build little tents to sleep underneath. Hmm. Um, so I'm like, we've put all this money into an area where, you know, now it's like a housing facility, unfortunately. And it's sad. It's sad to see every day the same people asking for money, asking for assistance. And you want to help as much as you can, but I think there needs to be something more. And thank you so much for calling today. Thank you. Take care. 519-643-2222 if you want to weigh in. So Ann works downtown sees this on a regular basis, basically is told not to wear flip-flops or be careful if you're wearing open-toed shoes in the summer because of the risk of stepping on a needle downtown. And Anne's right. You see people who are in a really tough spot, and you see the same people again and again and again. And as much as, you know, getting back to the police presence for a moment, there is only so much that the police can do. You know, you're having people who aren't committing crimes. They, you know, there may be some panhandling going on, but are you going to pick up somebody for absolutely everything and put them back in through the police system and the court system? And, you know, that's that's not going in a good enough direction. 519-643-2222. Dale, how do you feel about this? Hey. Hey. You know what the problem is? I'd love to know. The fact that, the fact that, that every other little city from Sarnia to Godrich is taking every welfare person and give them a one-way bus ticket to London. Yeah, we haven't and even gotten into that. We, we, they're, they're playing it here, and there's nothing for them to do here. 
So you're looking at this as being people who have that's is that is that why you feel we're hearing more and more about you know having a, a larger presence of people just hanging out downtown and camping out downtown apparently that would be my reason dale thanks for the call i you know what and, and if they they can't even clean it up that's the problem it's just becoming overwhelming downtown and people don't want to be downtown anymore yeah and that's that's my concern because they are spending, as Ann says, so much money downtown. It is so nice downtown, but as Ann pointed out, you've got benches that are being they're being turned into places every to sleep. Place is, we have property downtown that I work for, and every backyard every backyard is full of needles. Like I mean, our drug situation is so bad in our city. You know, it's just like I don't I don't know where anybody's going to even try to stop this. Everybody wants to talk about it, but nobody wants to even try to stop it. Yeah, and I think that's because there's no easy solution. There is a solution. <laughs> what would you say is the solution? Let's just start cleaning up downtown and giving these people help. But nobody wants to help these people because there's no place to put them anymore. Dale, thanks for the call. All right. And that right there is maybe why the solution doesn't come up. Because we already have a system that is overwhelmed. You have some people who will go in and and be able to get some help, but not help that is going to change their life, not help that is going to instantly give them a home and a job and take care of whatever else has been ailing them. That's, That's not the way that it does happen. And we do have a number of people who are de- I, I don't know about you, I notice more when I go in and around the Salvation Army. So, you know, just under the bridge coming through on Wellington right at Horton, you, you notice a real large presence of people, more so than there used to be. What do you do? Like Dale says, you get them help. But that's, that's something that, that is overwhelmed as it is. So where does that help come from? Where, where does the payment come from to pay for that help? That's the real question. Let's take a break for news. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFBL. In a few minutes, we're going to talk with Ian Campbell, the president of FC London. They won a championship over the weekend. Jade Kovacevic, greatest scorer in FC London history, scored the game winner in the 84th minute. And they were crowned champions. We'll also talk about the London Knights and the Western Mustangs from the weekend. Right now, we're going to dive into some entertainment news, courtesy of Katie Scott of Global News. She joins us now to talk a little bit about a guy who we know well from Stratford, Justin Bieber. Katie, what's happening? Well, Justin Bieber posted a lengthy message yesterday on Instagram, and he was talking about his struggles with depression and his use of heavy drugs. And he basically said that he's done everything wrong up until now because he felt like he couldn't turn it around. So now he's kind of saying that he's blaming it on being a child star and saying he had a lot of money, clothes and cars, achievements and awards, but he was still unfulfilled. When you see Instagram posts like this, what do you think of as someone who follows this stuff pretty regularly? Well, this one was kind of hard to read because it was a lot of writing all into one. So I tried to transcribe it, but it just seemed like he had a lot to say. And maybe he has some new music coming out. So he was basically saying before he was like the most adored and loved celebrity when he was younger. And now he's the most hated. So I think he might be trying to change his look for some people when, with all the new music coming out. Man, we see this so often where you get, we were just talking about people who have absolutely nothing. Sometimes you get too much and it's still, it's, it's not the right amount. It, it doesn't work out. You get too much too fast and next thing you know, things are headed in the wrong direction. How do you think people react to posts like this? Does Justin Bieber's, their Bieber still have that, that big following that is, that is going to you know, lend support to this? Oh, absolutely. The believer, the oh, sorry, the believers, they're still there because one time I tweeted about Justin Bieber and he actually messaged me back and then all of his fans were attacking me. There were some death threats, so they're all still with him. But I feel like some people would read this if they weren't a fan and they would kind of be like, oh, boo-hoo, you have millions of dollars and now you're talking like this. But he even said that he was 18 and he felt like he had no skills in the real world. 
kids, and then he had millions of dollars, and he said it's a very scary concept for anyone that young with all that money. So he kind of blames all of his bad decisions, like fighting paparazzi and going to court and the DUIs and stuff on being a young celebrity. Katie Scott joining us from Global News as we talk a little entertainment on a Justin Bieber story, which, you know, looks into an Instagram post that says, hey, he he had an awful lot too quickly and it led to a lot of bad decisions and he may want to make some changes. Katie, before we let you go, you've got to enlighten us a little bit more on posting something on Twitter about Justin Bieber and having fans send (laughs) death threats. What was that like for you? It was kind of scary because I tweeted it and then I didn't look back at my Twitter and then I look back like 20 minutes later and there's over 500 notifications just like calling me out, calling me names and Justin Bieber messaged me and said, I'm a celebrity but I bleed the same blood as you. So basically trying to relate to me as a journalist saying what I write affects him. So it's it's scary to have fans like that. There's a lot of fan culture, like Nicki Minaj's fans and other celebrities that have huge followings. So you kind of have to be careful what fan base you tweet on Twitter. Unbelievable. Well, Katie, thank you so much for sharing the story with us and sharing your story with us. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Katie Scott from Global News with a little piece of entertainment at the same time, an example of, of how crazy things can get, especially on social media. Who knows whether any of those death threats were for real, but at the same time, what if they were? You you can't look at something and say, well, that definitely isn't. A little unnerving, absolutely. Let's take a break. Next up, we'll talk with Ian Campbell, president of FC London Soccer, who will take us back to Saturday night when FC London's women's side became League One Ontario playoff champions. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Lots to watch in the sports world this week. Bianca Andreescu is into the quarterfinal at the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament, wrapped up her latest match late last night. It was after midnight by the time it was over and done with, but she won in three sets. Roger Federer plays today, but Bianca Andreescu will be in action tomorrow in a match that could start around 11 o'clock, and that is her next one, hoping to make it through to the semifinals. We also had locally the London Knights kick off their season. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. We had the Western Mustangs play their home opener last night and really did cruise to a pretty easy victory over a school that is still kind of getting their program set. They just have a new head coach in Steve Snyder, who's had great success everywhere, including Western, where he helped the Mustangs get to back-to-back Vanier Cups, win one of them. So give him some time, and Queens could be back to where they used to be, where they were one of those schools that when you saw them on the schedule, you went, ah, we uh, we got to circle that one. Last night, it was a little bit easier. Western had a chance to use some of their, their second stringers, and they still cruise to a 40-23 to 23 victory. So more on that in just a minute. But let's go back to a championship that was won by a London team over the weekend. FC London's women's side won the League One Ontario championship in a match against the Oakville Blue Devils played in Woodbridge at the Ontario Soccer Centre. Ian Campbell is the president of FC London. He was there. Ian, you've got to tell us, how were the emotions during the first... 83 minutes before the goal was scored in that match. Ian Campbell, president of FC London Soccer. The men's side actually plays again this weekend. They're up 2-1 on aggregate in a quarterfinal against the Vaughn Azuri. So they still have a shot. Who knows? Could see a two-headed champion in London. But Jade Kovacevic... You hear her name and you see what she's done and you wonder how long it is before the national team says, you you, you got to get over here. you gotta, you got to play. And uh, let's hope that happens. Let's take a break. We'll talk London Knights and a study that says you should always take your shoes off when you go into either someone else's house or, even more importantly, your own. That before we close out London Live when we return. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL.
Wear your shoes inside the house. The ones from outside. I'm always taking my shoes off at the door. We don't necessarily wear slippers in the house, but just... You don't wear your shoes inside the house. There's that one area where you come in. Some people call it a mudroom or maybe it's just a front entrance or whatever it is. You kick off your shoes. Well, Charles P. Gerba. Is that a professor name? You bet it is. Charles P. Gerba, a professor and microbiologist at the University of Arizona, has studied bacteria on the bottoms of shoes. And goes to a study where participants wore shoes around for two weeks. And then they looked at what was on the bottoms of those shoes. And they found that one thing that was definitely there was E. coli. That it was really, really common. So you know what E. coli does intestinal infections, urinary tract infections, a whole lot of illnesses. Meningitis has been linked to E. coli. So he said the findings of this definitely make him take off his shoes when he gets into the house. You don't want to wear them up the stairs. Even if you forget something, you don't, oh, I've put my shoes on, I've already tied them up. And then you go running upstairs. Yeah, he's changed that. He says he used to put his feet on his desk. Not anymore. Not anymore. Those shoes track a whole lot of bacteria into the home, especially if you have carpeting and you step on the carpeting. We were moving over the weekend, and it's just a habit. You you get in, and we're moving my daughter into her house. You kick off your shoes. So we've been holding a desk or a bed or whatever, a big mattress, and still you find a way to kick the shoes off in order to get down the stairs. I'm I'm glad we did that. Her house is all of a sudden going to remain well, she is a university student living with five other people. How, cl- how clean does a house stay when you have six people in a house? I don't remember us vacuuming for an entire year when I did that. I took her shopping, actually, for groceries, and then I got home, and, and my wife asked me a few questions. She said, well, well did you buy her salt? Then, no, no, I didn't pick up any salt. Well, did you buy her any pepper? No, didn't buy any pepper. How about an onion? Mm, no, didn't buy an onion. Garlic? No. Why? She said her food is going to taste horrible. You got her nothing to make the food taste good. I'm an eat to live. You know, I have a cup of water in front of me. If I finished this water and somebody said, you know, there's a lot of nutrients in that actual cup, I would eat that. You know, Licamade was the perfect thing. You could eat the stick at the end. That's I'm all about that. I don't need necessarily the taste, but, uh, yeah, I think I'm headed back to the grocery store to to buy some salt, pepper, an onion, and some garlic. I I should cook more. Uh, The London Knights got into action over the weekend and played two games. And you know what? This backup goaltending battle is going to be very interesting to watch. It played out on Saturday night. The Knights have two guys, Brett Brochu and Matt Anuska. Both played, both made some big saves. And both are in line for the backup job to Jordan Coy. This this is one when the Knights play a week from Friday at Budweiser Gardens to pay attention to, because Jordan Coy could very easily still be at NHL training camp with the Vegas Golden Knights. So it would be those two guys splitting it again. And a lot of great young players. Uh, Bryce Montgomery looked very good. Logan Mayu, who will likely play a lot with the London Nationals this year, looked very good. Hunter Skinner, who's a draft pick of the New York Rangers, looked very good. Actually scored an empty netter from the corner of his own end, almost backed up to the wall. Fired it down the ice, put it almost dead center of the net, like it was, you know, walk in the park, easy breezy thing to do. And so the London Knights do have some new faces, new names to get to know. And this is going to be a fun season. The league is going to be young. The league will have a lot of key players who are 17 years old and some very good ones who are 16 years old. And the Knights seem to mirror that quite a bit. Plus, the Knights have some very good veterans as well. So there is no juggernaut in the Ontario Hockey League. This thing is as wide open as it's ever been because of the fact that you don't have that big crop of 18 and 19 year olds on one team set to take everything over. 
It's uh, it's a lot of 17-year-olds doing it. And then congratulations to the Western Mustangs last night under the lights at TD Stadium. They defeated Queens, and Chris Merchant continues to look very good. Fifth-year quarterback, threw for two touchdowns, ran for another. Western got some second stringers into the game, worked out very well. So their next big test comes up this weekend against McMaster on Saturday. And McMaster right now through two games, this is through two games, they have 10 sacks. And they have eight interceptions. This is a team that makes big plays on defense. So we'll talk more about the Knights later on this week. We'll talk more about the Mustangs later on this week. If you're headed home tonight, remember, kick off your shoes inside the door. Don't let E. coli become a part of your living room. Coming up a little later on this week, we're going to talk some country music. Uh, Lots of great things still ahead. So we are here between 1 and 3, Monday to Friday on London Live. We are brought to you by Courtesy Ford Lincoln at 684 Warncliffe Road South. If you need to tune up before winter, there's that word. Yeah, it's coming. Head in and see them and make sure you get yourself and your car ship shape. Thanks to Nelson Alexander for his help. News is on the way next. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL.